0: Section 5 of Deeds of Daring Done by Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Barbara Hale. Deeds of Daring Done by Girls by Hannah Moore. Part 1 The Pearl Necklace, 1767. CHAPTER ONE "'Good-bye,' she said, and then again. "'Good-bye.' The voice of the young girl was choked with sobs, and tears rolled slowly down her cheeks. "'Good-bye, dear garden. Good-bye, dear home.' And as she spoke, she stopped and looked up at the old grey chateau, which the warm afternoon sun had made glow with tints of rose and gold she made a pretty picture standing there even though her eyes were red with weeping for her clustering curls were drawn high on her graceful head with a great comb the lack of powder letting their bright chestnut tones shine in the warm evening light a gaily flowered gown of simple muslin less ample in its cut than the style affected by those who lived near the court was fashioned so as to show a slender white throat the delicate ruffles at elbow and neck showed that even in the country Mechlin, the lace of the hour had its wearers. Looking about, eyes even less partial than hers would cease to be surprised that parting with so fair a scene should cause such grief. To Clemence Valvier, the chateau was home. There she was born, had grown to girlhood, and though but seventeen, was not only a wife but the mother of a tiny child for whose sake she was preparing to leave parents country home and friends and seek that little-known land across the sea where so many of her countrymen had gained a footing in the wilderness the pointed turrets of the chateau stood out sharply against the deep blue of the afternoon sky and the glass panes in the small windows sparkled as the late sunbeams rested on them on one side huge vines of ivy clambered up the rough stones till they reached the roof and amid their hospitable leaves sheltered many a nest of linnet and of sparrow whose cheerful songs made music at morning and at sunset clement stood in the garden looking sadly at the roses whose sweet profusion was due in no small measure to her care there was the garden seat here the sun-dial yonder above the wall which bounded the garden rose the dovecote around which constantly hovered some of her feathered pets how can i leave you all she cried as each familiar object rose before her eyes my courage well-nigh fails me and she sank on her knees before the dial a gray veteran which gave no hint of time this afternoon since it marked only sunny hours, and already the long shadows cast by the chateau fell across its face of stone. Just at that moment, when she was almost willing to abandon the thought of the long and terrible journey, she heard a footstep on the gravel of the paths. Ah, Clemence, dear heart, it grieves me, almost past endurance, to see your grief. Say but one word, and I will go forth alone, and shall send back for you and the little one when a home is made ready and when i have some comforts for you at the first sound of her husband's voice clemence had jumped to her feet and running to him had laid her tear-stained face upon his shoulder as he finished speaking she had almost brought a smile to drive away the tears and looking into his face she bravely made answer if it wrings my heart to leave dear France, pierre it would be a thousand times worse to have you go and leave me here me and little annette for whose sake we undertake all these perils if i could think that was really so and pierre scarce more than a youth himself as he yet wanted several months of seeing twenty years bore on his face a gravity that is rarely seen on one so young his dark eyes were sad and though he smiled when he comforted his youthful wife it seemed as though but to cheer her in truth all his life he had comforted and protected her for pierre valvier like clement's had called the old chateau the rose garden the long straight terrace and the fertile fields his home left an orphan at an early age under the guardianship of monsieur Bayonville, the father of clement's the two children had played together studied together and finally were wedded and now were preparing to go forth to the new world together at this time louis the fifteenth sat upon the throne of france he was a weak monarch devoted to his pleasures and content to let his ministers rule although he always took an active part in all the religious quarrels which disturbed and agitated france jealousy which had long been smouldering between france and england on account of the various colonies in america to which each country laid claim broke out into war in seventeen fifty six and its effects were felt over the whole world the brilliant victory of admiral galisonniere at fort st philip the chief citadel of port Mahon, on the minorca islands the most important naval victory which france had gained in fifty years filled the whole french nation with joy yet the succeeding years brought little but ignominy and defeat and the seven years war as this struggle was ultimately called lost france not only the greater part of her navy but what was even more galling many of her possessions in the new world disapproval of the king and his ministers drove to what was left of these colonies in america many frenchmen of high character who foresaw nothing but disaster left for france herself among these was pierre valvier who sought for himself and his little family a home in that new country where liberty of person and creed was assured they were to start on the morrow for calais and thence take ship for new orleans the old chateau old even in seventeen fifty six stood upon a gentle slope looking down upon the little fishing village of atop such a tiny village it was with its one-story huts you could scarcely call them more set upon the banks of canache a broad shallow river so influenced by the ocean that when the tide was low the fisher-girls kilted up their scant skirts and waded across with their baskets of shrimps upon their strong young shoulders such a little village and so poor Piti sous piti sous donne moi ah piti sous that was the cry heard on every side there was hardly a hand in the hamlet which would not be held out in expectation of a small copper coin should anyone from the chateau chance to pass through its one ill-paved street every year the poverty seemed to increase every year the revenues of the chateau grew less which was but another reason why pierre a young and strong should seek a home where those of gentle birth were made welcome and where the crown gave broad acres of land to each and all who would go and settle there. Still, even with hope and courage beckoning, the parting was sad for all. Monsieur Bayonville, the father of Clements, was a soldier of the old regime. Tall, elegant, with the true air of grandeur, which is born, not bred, he watched with sad eyes the preparation for departure madame his wife could not suppress her grief and declared that never never again should she see her loved ones ah she cried the poor children will be devoured by frightful beasts i know it well if not by those that roam on land by those more awful ones which dwell in the sea the distant land was to her a wilderness a desert and in truth a few miles away from the city of New Orleans. It was little else. Chapter 2 The rain was falling heavily as the old traveling carriage, drawn by four horses, lumbered up to the door of the chateau the next morning. Into it had been packed the necessaries for the journey to Calais, and two heavy wains had been sent off some days previously, laden with such goods as the young people were to take with them to the new world within doors the daughter was taking leave of her parents and as if to shorten the sad moment her father took her hand and placed within it a packet carefully bound in silk dear daughter said he see that this packet is carefully guarded in it is thy inheritance the pearl necklace which my mother had from her mother and which in its turn must go to thy daughter the little annette "Oh, father why give to me that most precious thing safeguard it till we come again as if god is willing we shall it is yours and then the daughters and he whispered in her ear i have added all the jewels which were my mother's portion keep them till time of need the impatient stamping of the horses on the cobblestones of the court warned them all that they must part and pierre led clemence to the carriage where little annette was sleeping on the broad lap of old marie who had petted and scolded her mother through her babyhood and was now going with her on that long journey to the land of which they knew so little and feared so much as if desirous of making up for lost time jacques cracked his whip and with the words farewell farewell ringing in the air the coach passed quickly down the long drive and through the gates leading to the high road and in turn the direction of boulogne where they were to pass that night as if desirous of making up for lost time jacques cracked his whip and with the words farewell farewell ringing in the air the coach passed quickly down the long drive and through the gates leading to the high road and turned in the direction of Boulogne, where they were to pass that night the familiar scenes of her childhood never seemed so fair to clemence as at this moment when she was parting from them Here was the little church nestling among the trees where she had received her first communion. And there stood Pere Joseph waving adieu from the old gray porch, the familiar tear stealing down his wrinkled cheek. Here was the little church nestling among the trees where she had received her first communion. And there stood Pere Joseph waving adieu from the old gray porch, the unfamiliar tear stealing down his wrinkled cheek farther along on the other side of the road was the rose d'or the quaint old inn before whose hospitable door the village yokels were wont to gather of a summer's evening and play at bowls under the green the very signboard as it hung above the door and swung in the wind seemed to creak farewell and as the travelling chariot rolled by clemens hid her face upon her husband's shoulder at last her sobs grew less violent And as if to call attention from her grief, little Annette awoke, and lying comfortable and rosy upon the lap of her nurse, cooed out her satisfaction, as only a healthy, happy baby can. Pierre took the child in his arms, and the baby stretched out her hands towards her mother, who, turning to take her, found neglected in her own lap the parcel of jewels, so carefully wrapped, and handed to her by her father as a parting gift see pierre my father gave to me the pearl necklace which i wore on my wedding day and it is to be the portion of little annette when she too marries hardly had the words passed her lips when rude shouts were heard and the coach gradually came to a standstill halt cried a voice almost beside the window and old jacques the coachman could be heard saying but messieurs my master mistress please knave let thy betters speak for themselves at this a rude leering face was thrust into the window and a man pulled roughly at the carriage door and cried step out and quickly too and bring out your valuables with you but we are travellers and have with us barely enough to carry us to calais where our ship lies at anchor said pierre trying not to let his voice show anger and disgust what will serve you will serve us also at a pinch is it not so jeanne and as he turned to a third ruffian who stood at hand holding by the bridle some sorry-looking horses truth if we take all they have twill be enough but do not wait too long answered the one named jeanne who wore a soldier's cap with a soiled and broken feather trailing over one ear at the first appearance of the highwayman at the carriage window clements had handed little annette to marie and in so doing had managed to slip among her clothes the precious packet of jewels she gave marie a warning look and when they were commanded to step from the coach she begged for the sake of the child that it and the nurse might sit within you can see for yourselves that neither the infant nor the aged woman has aught of value said she after hurriedly searching through the coach and finding nothing more the highwaymen contented themselves with carrying off pierre's sword and a fair pearl ring which clemence wore upon her finger and a small bag of golden doubloons which pierre had in the pocket of his traveling coat the villainous trio had scarcely got safely away when the reason of their haste became apparent for a captain and four men-at-arms came around a turn in the road urging their horses to a smart trot when they saw the traveling carriage drawn up by the side of the ditch have three renegades passed this way called the leader as they drew rein truly but a few moments since said pierre with a rueful face as he thought of his bag of gold it would have pleased me much had you come this way but a few moments earlier since i then had been the richer for a purse of doubloons stole they aught beside asked the captain as he put spurs to his horse and hardly waited for pierre's answer as they rode hastily away in the direction the robbers had taken when once more the coach was in motion clemence turned to annette and clasped her in her arms saying of a truth little one twas fortunate indeed that you saved your inheritance this time you and marie let us hide the packet better madame said marie Who can tell when another band of cutthroats may be upon us? And truly, as thou sayest, it was but chance that saved us this time. Without delay, the packet was carefully tied among the long skirts of little Annette, and Marie had hardly ceased to tremble till the coach rolled into the yard of the inn at Boulogne, and the red light streaming from the open door showed them that warmth and shelter were to be had within early year, the next morning refreshed and cheered because the rain had ceased and the sun shone cheerfully abroad our travellers during the late afternoon of the next day entered the gray old town of calais the little annette unconsciously guarding the packet which held her inheritance as well as the jewels which monsieur bienville had given as a parting token to his daughter it was quite dark when the carriage was at last unpacked and not till then did Pierre draw from behind a secret panel in the side of the coach the store of gold which was to suffice for their needs on board ship until they were established in the new home which awaited them on the other side of the ocean? End of section five.